0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Canada's economy grew at an annual rate of 5.4% in the third quarter. I don't know if that means a whole lot to people who aren't economists, but it sounds good. And then StatsCan reveals that the GDP declined at an annual rate of 3.4% between April and June. I I don't know what that means. The projection had been that it would drop 1.1%. So how does this mesh and perhaps affect expected interest rates from the Bank of Canada next year? Also, the federal government is trumpeting job growth in November. I just wonder about that. There's some loose ends here. Like how many people decided that they were not going to look for work anymore because they're discouraged? Where does that all fit in? And then, of course, there's the uh, supply chain. So to sort all of this for us, and he'll take some phone calls from you, is our great friend and go-to economist, macroeconomist from Ryerson University, Professor Eric Cam. Professor, how are you today?
1: I'm good, Roy. Happy Hanukkah to you and the listeners.
0: Yes, sir, and to you as well. Happy Hanukkah.
1: Thank you. So, what's,
0: so, so for the average person who hears 5.4% economic growth annual rate third quarter, but StatsCan reveals the GDP declined at an annual rate of 3.4% between April and June when it had been expected to be 1.1%. We try to look smart, like we can figure out what this all all means. But in layman's terminology, I mean, I, maybe everybody else understands, but you, wouldn't you tell me what that means?
1: Well, sure. I mean, imagine that you went, um, you went target shooting and you were just going to shoot an arrow at a tree. And you took your first shot and you missed to the left by 5%. And then you missed to the right by 5%. And you screamed, I got it. That's kind of where we're sitting at right now. So (laughs) it's a phenomenon in economics and it doesn't happen that much, but it's called overshooting, which is Statistics Canada and the government of Canada and the Bank of Canada. They put together projections and every now and then you're not just wrong. You're very wrong, but people have come to realize that in the last couple of years, when they've been wrong, they've been wrong on the negative side. They've been wrong with negative job growth and negative income growth and prices going up too high. And so what you see right now is that um, an economy, Roy, is a pretty dynamic animal. And no matter what sometimes you do to try to um, hurt it or even not help it, sometimes an economy reacts the way it should. So we're coming out of this pandemic and the economy right now is very heated and it's kind of on overdrive. So they haven't updated their GDP statistics yet, but when they do, you'll see the gross domestic product has gone up because every other macro variable that a year ago, Roy, we were crying is just doing terribly. Now they're all going up by faster than anybody expected. So you can look at the fall in unemployment, the rise in employment, job growth, wage growth, are all going up and they're all going up faster than any of the so-called experts had predicted so what you have is a situation where the economy is outpacing predictions and now you say to yourself and the listeners say well that sounds good uh and it is sitting here right now today on december 5th you know in the afternoon it's very good if you're looking for a job if you're looking for some wage growth if you're looking to change jobs into a better job yeah on the surface it looks very good but As we know, anytime you overshoot your macroeconomic indicators, that inflationary monster is creeping its ugly head, and it is going to do so again. Anyone who's been to the grocery store, Roy, knows that prices have gone up significantly, and they're only going to continue to go up, which now brings me back to your original question, to which I've been incredibly long-winded, interest rates. The Bank of Canada announced they're going to go up late next year. Well, you can rest assured that when they get together in their boardroom, they're going to discuss a much earlier raising because while short term inflation actually signals positive economic development, long term inflation signals economic disaster. And so the Bank of Canada is going to have to think about when is it time to throw some cold water on this very overheated fire.
0: So for the average person who's listening now who has a mortgage, who has groceries, who has energy costs and you know my metaphor for um, for inflation was and I mentioned this to you a few weeks ago. That's when you go to the gas station and the grocery store in the same morning and you can't afford to fill up at either. Uh, For the average person who finds themselves perhaps in a situation like that or is cutting back on expenditures because of inflationary pressures, what does this all mean? What happens to them next year? What's going to happen to interest rates? Is it going to threaten people's personal economies or, or is it just going to draw things into some semblance of order?
1: Well, you'd have to have a real crystal ball to know that. I mean, and I don't like to punt on your question, but the answer is if they raise interest rates by, say, 25 basis points or 50 basis points, it'll just cause a moderating effect on spending. But if the Bank of Canada, in a very uncharacteristic move, you know, raises interest rates in the short term, say, within a year by a percent or a percent and a half, well, that's nothing that we want because it's going to put buying pretty much anything out of range for the average person. Now, again, you talk about Um, you know, this pandemic and where it's left people. And I think that it's really bifurcated our society in a way that we couldn't imagine, because it's a funny thing. If you are a person who's just starting to dig out of being in the hole in the pandemic, there is some good news that you are probably going to find a job easier than you could have a year ago, six months ago, or really at any time in the, in the foreseeable past uh, in our lives. But the bad news is, is that if you're a person who's sort of in that, what I call the mushy middle, and you're a middle-class person, you have your job, all you really see right now are disposable prices going up. Meaning if you go to the grocery store, you go to the gas station, and then that person probably has a mortgage. And if they can afford it today, they're praying the Bank of Canada that does not go ahead with too fast, too high a rate hike, or you just may have situations
0: yeah. You still that? Home.
1: So, you know, Roy, it's a hard question, but it depends on where where on that spectrum of income sustainability are you. And the only thing we know with certainty is if you're at the high end, you're safe.
0: Just before we get a co- couple of calls on for you, uh, Professor Cam, a couple of issues and points we've made. We've talked about this. Canadians, according to polling not long ago, were within $200 and not being able to pay their monthly expenses. And that is deeply concerning. Now we see that Canadians at this time of year, Christmas, are using credit cards very heavily. What are your thoughts on that? And then let's also ask you about the reappearance of the reemergence of COVID to into our e- everyday life now with a new Omicron uh, variant, uh, variant rather, vir- vir- viral variant. And, um, and what's that going to do to the markets? Because the markets are bouncing up and down. Too many unknowns here.
1: Well, there's, there's a lot of unknowns. Now, to your first question, uh, it's no surprise to anybody listening that the worst type of debt in society, of all the debts there are in society, the worst type is owing your credit card. Because yeah. if you look at what's called the effective rate, credit cards are up near 30%. And so... I would really encourage people to take a, a sit down and look at their debt levels and see what where people are. In a sense, take a, a scorecard and see where you are and what you can do going forward. Of course, people are going to spend money at Christmas. Um, that's never going to change. But, you know, you, you can't, to use a horrible exple- expression, blow your brains out um if if you are a one of those people who are within $200 of insolvency which is B, almost half the
0: population
1: that's right that's right and so and a good chunk of that half of the population is also just starting to pull themselves out yeah. of covid maybe But let going- me ask you
0: what does this what does this do to the the economy if you have a population that is that close to the margins and you have a, a rush of credit card use at this particular time, as we like to think we're starting to come out of the, the, the pandemic, who knows? But how much of an impact does that have on the national economy?
1: It has, at a all? Huge it, impact, does. it has a huge impact. Number one, in terms of the stability of the economy, it weakens it tremendously. And we all know that one of the worst signals of an economic downturn, Roy, is bankruptcies. And so if people start declaring personal bankruptcies, the signal that you send to the economy is that it's in bad shape. People start saving like crazy. And then we start to put ourselves into a bit of a self-fulfilling spiral. So that's why I, I always tell people I'm not a personal financial advisor, but, you're not going to be able to avoid spending, but you've got to contain your spending to what is for you a comfortable level. And nobody can tell anybody else what that comfortable level is. Everybody has to figure out their own level of comfortability.
0: Yeah, know what your personal finances are about. Before I ask you about the stock market, let me take a couple of calls for you because we always get a lot of phone reaction when you're on and great questions from our callers and listeners. We'll start with Craig, who's in Barrie, Ontario. Craig, please go ahead for Professor Cam. What's your question? Oh, good afternoon, both of you. Um, yes, sir. Quick, quick question. Um, I'm hearing on the news that uh, employment numbers are much better than pre-COVID. Um, I'd like to know how that's possible when all I see is, you know, help wanted signs. There's thousands of businesses that closed forever who aren't employing anybody anymore. Where's this employment coming from?
1: The employment, I mean, that's an excellent question. You've got to remember that when you look at the unemployment rate, that statistic isn't perfect. And as Roy pointed out to begin the show, it doesn't include things like part-time workers going to full-time. And it doesn't include people like discouraged workers who are just so tired of looking for jobs that they fall out of looking for jobs. And so then instantaneously to Statistics Canada, they're no longer unemployed. So the answer to your question is, To be skeptical of the bounce back a lot of the increases are in part-time work a lot where employers aren't really for lack of a better word married to the employees in terms of benefits and pensions so it's very very um unstable employment yet if you're looking for a job that could be as good as it gets right now
0: all right thank you very much for the call craig let's move on to howard Who's in Thornhill, Ontario as well? Again, the number is AAA 225 Howard, what's your question for Professor Cam? Well, thanks for uh, taking my question. Uh, I'm just curious to know uh, what you think right now about precious metals like gold and silver. I'm very concerned about the economy, and I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen, and I want to investigate that.
1: Um, it's a good question gold and silver precious metals tend to be a- among the more stable stocks they're not as stable as say bank stocks but uh, again i'm not a personal financial advisor and i'm not going to tell you to buy or sell but i would say precious metals right now are as they've always been they're expensive but they're stable expensive and i don't think you have to worry if your portfolio is um filled at to some extent with precious metals
0: all right thank you very much for the call howard by the way professor cam when i was uh, in my really young years and uh, and goldfinger came out the uh, james bond movie i was so taken with the idea of gold i bought some with every nickel i could scrape together for 24 bucks an ounce and i kept it for a long time i did okay now i think it's around 1800 isn't it
1: yeah it is it's just under 2000 you know you can't go uh-huh. wrong with things like precious metals, you can't go wrong with things that are long run stable. And by the way, I mean, a conversation for another time is that we used to be on a gold standard. We used to make sure that every dollar we had in the bank was backed by gold. Was it a terrible idea? Um, No, it wasn't a terrible idea. The problem is, is that when you have a gold standard, that's, that's akin to fixing your exchange rate. And that's akin to not having enough a power in terms of your monetary policy but i will always be an advocate of things like gold and silver that even though they go up and down it's like using a yo-yo walking up steps in the long run they're going to go up
0: okay so let's go back to the economy and and what we're doing and what the prospects are so the joker in the deck continues to be the uh, covid virus the coronavirus and its various variants and, uh, you know, we have the Fed chair in the United States telling Congress that Omicron COVID variant might threaten the U.S. economic recovery, and Biden dropped the part of his speech in which he was prepared to say the supply chain challenges would be successfully addressed. So when you put those three or two together and you have a volatile stock market, what are you expecting COVID to potentially do to our economy going forward from this day forward?
1: You know what, in this sense, and this is going to surprise some people, Roy, I'm pretty glass half full. I think the other, I think the good news part of the story that you just didn't mention is the vaccination rate and how well Canada, say, is doing in terms of its vaccines. We know that we cannot afford another economic shutdown. That is just not an option. And I'm not going to tell the government how to do its job, but we've got to keep the doors of our businesses open. And I and I would I would hesitate and want people to know that while they should be worried about inflation, you should always be worried about the price of things. Remember that it signals that we're digging out and the economy, believe it or not, is working as it should. So I hope that people take the Omicron virus seriously in terms of public health. But in terms of economic health there is only one way forward keep business open keep commerce moving keep spending going anything other than that would just be devastating to the economy when it's when it, it you know it's been gasping for air so long and it's finally finding the positive so my my again long-winded answer is keep businesses open keep commerce flowing
0: So in the just more than a minute we have left this question Canadian bank profits are significant and td for example raised its dividend to double digits and is planning a stock buyback what does that say to you i mean everybody wants profitable banks or should want profitable banks a lot better than what they're experiencing in argentina so what do you get from this particular story
1: you know what i take one thing that our banking system is strong i am not worried about bank profits banks in this province and in this country employ tens of thousands of people it is one of the leading employers in the country and so for me the last thing you want to do is take a swipe at one of the few people that employs thousands and thousands roy of people so banks making money to me signals that our banks are strong they're going to keep hiring they're going to keep the financial system stable and i know i know that people get upset when they see the bank profit numbers but i'm going to ask people to just think about do you really want to live in a country where banks fail Or banks have less than a million dollars in assets. That is just
0: not Not an option. Because
1: it signals that your financial system is always shaky. The reason that ours is not is because our banks are strong.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.